from the Cervera Newsroom in sunny Miami, welcome to the Miami Real Estate Podcast, your home for expert insight on all things Miami real estate. I'm your host, Omar DeWint. Let's get started. As sunny South Florida continues to develop into a world-class location and a legal tax haven, many New Yorkers are reconsidering whether the Big Apple is the right place in which to live and park their assets. But few know just how challenging the process can be for those within a certain tax bracket. Lucky for you, our guest today has been through the process and has the scoop for us. I'm Omar DeWin, communications executive at Miami-based Surveyor Real Estate and host of the Miami Real Estate Podcast. Joining me in the studio is Shane Neiman, a serial entrepreneur, real estate developer, and investor that relocated from New York to South Florida in 2014 and lived to tell a tale. He's going to walk us through that process, everything you need to know about doing it, and also share his insights on what's exciting about South Florida um, from an economic and entrepreneurial perspective uh, now and in the years to come. So Shane, thanks for being here. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's our pleasure. And uh, this is such an exciting topic. Obviously, I think you were one of the original pioneers, right, for relocating from New York to (laughs) South Florida. But in 2016, obviously, with the change in in tax uh, law, we've seen an an influx uh, or an exodus, as you say in uh, your blog that I loved. Yeah. So I actually I actually came in 2014. Uh huh. So uh, it's it's been almost six years now. Wow. uh, Yeah. And and when I was doing it, then uh, a lot of people thought I was really crazy. And mm. now, now, especially my, my friends and family in, in New York, but I think now I, they, they kind of get it. Right. So. You were like those uh, original like pioneers settling the, the American West before, right? <laughs> <laughs> like I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. But yeah, it's it's just a two and a half hour flight and, and, and pretty easy to get back to New York. But I, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of, I grew up in New York. Mm-hmm. I lived in New York. I'm a I was born in Brooklyn. I grew up in Long Island um, in a middle class family. And um, I ended up going to NYU for for college. So I moved to the city when I was 18 and I lived in the city since then. I started my my um, my business there. Uh, I did a few businesses there. And, uh, you know, if you were to ask me 10 years ago, would you ever move out of New York City? I would have thought you were bonkers. <laughs> so I would, I, I definitely uh, had a big change of heart for sure. I love that, and I think there's many out there that sort of share that 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 thought process and that path. Can you walk me through yours in particular and sort of the motivations um, ten years ago or whatever when you started thinking maybe I should go from New York to Miami? Well, um, yeah. So let let me. I actually thought about moving to Miami um, before 2014. Okay. Uh, but, so I, I just to kind of rewind a little bit. I um, I start my my background's in tech mostly. Uh, so I started uh, three tech companies in mm-hmm. in in Manhattan in New York uh, when I was 22. We kind of started this company called uh, uh, Offix, and it was based. We didn't even have the name for it then. It was um, we called it Utilitizing Computing, but it's now called Microsoft 365. <laughs> so, oh wow! Uh, so, so we kind of we didn't even have the terminology for it then. So it was really early. It was during the dot com era. I dropped out of med school to do that. There's a long story behind that, but. Um, 
you know, that, that, that didn't work out, obviously, uh, after the, the dot-com bubble burst. And then after that, I went into uh, another tech company, tech media company, where we um, did a lot of events and, and, and we built software and technology around letting people know about events. We had a huge email list, kind of like, uh, I don't know, people are familiar with Thrillist. It was mm. called, it's called Junebug. It's still around, sure. actually. And um, so we did that. I we did I did that for about ten years, and then out of that, um, we had a very big email list that we would email people and tell them about events going on in their area, and we had sponsors and all that kind of stuff going on. And uh, the efficacy of email was getting lower and lower as as that was as time was going on because everyone had a Mailchimp account and everyone had a mm -hmm. you know their own email list, and you weren't the only game in the inbox anymore. So um, I was looking for a way to, uh, you know, kind of get through the clutter, um, so to speak. And people were texting, starting to text a lot more in, in like 2004, 2003. Uh, people were starting to get iPhones. Blackberries were getting popular. Um, I think actually iPhone came a little bit later than that. But Blackberries were getting mm -hmm. popular. And, um, you know, I was like, okay, how, how do we text everyone? And uh, it seemed pretty easy if mm -hmm. you think about it, right? But it it was it wasn't as there was no out of the box, off the shelf solution for that. And so I have a degree in computer science, actually from um, from NYU. So I, I studied computer science and I did pre med because basically it was the only thing where you didn't have to memorize stuff, <laughs> and <laughs> and I really suck at memorizing. So uh, anyway, that that. Uh, I couldn't find anything. And so we went on and decided to build it ourselves. Mm -hmm. And essentially, uh, we, I started easy texting at that time. And easy texting is like a MailChimp or a, a constant contact with, um, type platform for SMBs to do SMS uh, marketing, run um, text campaigns, mm -hmm. get coupons. So that's it's like text blasting, right? For those out yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, in its simplistic form, it mm -hmm. is that. But just like how MailChimp isn't just sending out an email blast, sure. there's all these other kind of value added stuff around it. You know, you can build your email list through their forms and you can, mm. you know, you can create social media stuff for it. And, you know, there's there's a lot, you know, you can organize your contacts. There's, there's a lot of other stuff going on there around that. Mm -hmm. uh, but... Yes, in its simplistic form, it's a text not to text. undercut it, right? Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, that that's what people think when you say it, but sure. but it's a lot more than that. Right. And you know, you're not paying for a text; you're paying for the service. You're paying to call the one eight hundred number and get help, figure out how you know how how things work. Um, in any case, so I built that all in New York City. Um, I sold Junebug, and I focused mainly on easy texting for about. Um, so I had Junebug for about ten years, and then. There was a little bit of overlap between having both companies, Easy Texting and and and, and Junebug, and then um, I focused mainly on Easy Texting uh, for the next, let's say, eight or nine years, mm -hmm. um, and that was in uh, that was in two thousand five. Okay, um, and so I built this all in New York City. I was a city guy, right? So I uh, my offices were in New York City, and we hired people from the city, and it was pretty pretty 
easy to find talent, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and that's and I think that's why a lot of people like to stay in places like New York City because it is easy to find, especially if you're in tech, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Miami is a little bit harder to to kind of find that right now, finding that to be true, mm -hmm. uh, but it's getting a lot better. Uh, but getting back to your question of when was I thinking about that is. Um, when I was doing easy texting a few years before 2014, I, I'm I'm like, you know, we're paying New York City tax, we're paying New York tax, I'm paying corporate tax, I'm paying personal tax. I could take all this money that I'm paying in tax and I could hire like 20 more people. Mm. Literally. I, I mean, I'm not even exaggerating when I say that, right? I could hire better engineers, I could hire more customer support people, more salespeople, and all for what? For having an office in Manhattan. Right. And um, that that didn't really make sense for us in particular because we're not lawyers. We're not accountants. We basically had software that it was software as a service business. Mm -hmm. Right. And people all over the country were signing up online. Um, and, you know, we were servicing them on the phone, on the Internet, you know, through chat, through 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 different uh you know, channels sure. that, that didn't require them to come into our office, right? Well, and I think on, on, on the talent side of it also, I think in recent conversations, I've heard more and more that there's also like globalization of the workforce, right? Or like, you know, you could sure. be in, in Europe or Asia or wherever doing the job just as efficiently well, and maybe cheaper. Well, that, I mean, not to kind of get off on a tangent, but, uh, you know, half of our team was in the Ukraine. Okay. So I went to Ukraine, um, you know, we were having problems finding talent, especially tech talent in the United States that was affordable. And and the ones that were affordable were just crazy expensive, you know, crazy, <laughs> not not even forget about it, expensive. It was, they, they just didn't really have the talent. Mm. Uh, they weren't as like high caliber as they were there. Anyway, I went there and we built, you know, I went there for a few months. We built an office there and that worked out really, really well for us. And we were able to kind of accomplish that so on that mm -hmm. point you're 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 very much right you know that new york city address mm -hmm. it just doesn't carry that much weight that sure. 212 number just doesn't mean <laughs> anything anymore uh so you know especially with cell phones right it, it just right. really it really makes no difference uh so that that's when i actually really started thinking about moving out of new york uh was when i was thinking about my business and saying all right well you know how do we kind of get more juice out of this, what we have, right? And how do we grow? Uh, one way is to spend more on ads. Another way is like, whoa, look at this line item on my profit and loss. It's this huge tax bill I have to pay, right? And if we could get rid of that, um, we can hire more people, we can grow, we can do a lot of other uh, other things that we, um, that, that, that we otherwise couldn't. So I was actually looking into it since then. I, I didn't end up moving to Florida. I ended up um, actually moving my office out of <laughs> out of Manhattan and into Hoboken. Okay. So and we did that. We did that strategically, mainly to at least we could avoid New York City tax in, sure. in, in that manner. Because even though it's not as much as New York State tax, we did get some tax benefit, and it helped us hire more people. And it was just a simple matter of buying you know everyone a, a, a train sure path the ticket. commuting path. Yeah. yeah it's it's a five five or ten minutes extra subway ride right so um and 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 i when i did that people thought i was crazy too but it ended up working out really well uh for us and you know none of my employees left they all got it they all understood and you know 
they and I let them come in 15 minutes later. Mm. You know, it, it, all of it was worth it. Sure. Uh, so what what really catalyzed me moving here is um, I, I ended up actually exiting Easy Texting and okay. selling it to a company called Callfire. Um, they did a deal through Morgan Stanley uh, to acquire the company. And they, they basically did what we did, but for calling instead of SMS. And they needed an SMS component. And... Um, so I wasn't really bound to New York. They were, they were a Los Angeles-based company. So I wasn't really bound to New York as much before because of the office. Um, and Or let's say Hoboken, not, not, not New York, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, I, I had a lot more kind of, let's say, freedom uh, to do what I, what I wanted to do at that point. Um, and I also, you know, I was married. I had my first child. And we were raising... My, my daughter in the city she was just a few months old and i was kind of like not leaving the apartment ever because it was too cold or too hot mm. or raining or snowing or just really crappy outside or and or it was just like there aren't that many activities that are easy to kind of access in new york uh for kids um even the parks are you know i, I lived in i lived in chelsea mm -hmm. right so it doesn't get like kind of more downtown and like happening and easily accessible than that and 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 everything was like a schlep basically sure uh so my in-laws had a place in in sunny isles mm -hmm. that, that they would go to you know let's every few months and so we started going there more often because they weren't using it and um you know and you know at, after a couple of times, you know, I would see my daughter blossoming and, you know, going to the pool, going to the beach. She was a different, you know, child. And, right. And, and, and I was, I was happier. I'm on East coast time. So I could get my work done. Right. And, um, as you said, everything's like kind of glo globalized now, mm -hmm. right. With the internet, you don't need to physically be anywhere anymore. Right. And so, uh, did it really matter that I was in New York city or not? It, it didn't. And, and so then we did an experiment and I stayed for a month Okay. and I and I'm like, wow, this month went by and within two weeks, just to kind of backtrack, my wife is also like, you know, like total New Yorker, grew up in Brooklyn, went to NYU too. She's a dentist, went to NYU Dental, mm -hmm. you know, went to poly prep, you know, really, really like New Yorker. And when I had first suggested it, she was like <laughs> crying right, and right. saying absolutely no possible way that that would ever happen. And I think actually that's a lot of, like a lot of people that I talk to, that's, that's a big thing is like my spouse, my wife will never go because you know, my family is there and, you know, sure. we have this and we have that. And there's like a million reasons why. But I'll get I'll get into why that doesn't matter later. And, OK. And, uh, but in any case, in my case, we did. That's how we did it. We did it in a month. We did a month. And then we said. This is working. Mm hmm. I don't even want to go back to New York. So just to be clear, you the trial was you were commuting back and forth or the whole family? No, was? we just came and we stayed for a month. For a month, okay. And 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 I didn't go back for a month, mm -hmm. right? And and I did that on purpose to make sure that if I actually really moved here, mm -hmm. like what's the worst case scenario? Sure. Right? How, how, how would I deal with things if, you know, they weren't there? I, I mean, 
would I miss people? Would I, you know, would I really miss like going to, I don't know, whatever restaurant that, you know, mm -hmm. the, and, and also, you know, I have to admit if, if I'm single, if I was single, sure. I, I probably would prefer New York city. Um, but once you're kind of married or in a relationship or, right. you know, and you have kids, it's a to totally different story. So the choice was for us either go to suburbia which what a lot of people do, they mm -hmm. go to Long Island, they go to Connecticut, they go to Scarsdale, you know, Westchester or something like that in the Northeast, um, or kind of come here and go to the beach. Right. Right. And, you know, and have a totally different experience than what suburban life really is in, in, in the Northeast. So that, that's, that's what what the catalyst really was, and obviously there's you know other things that come with that, right? Um, you know, there's you know things are a lot cheaper here. You know, mm -hmm. if in the city, if I even wanted to get my daughter a swimming class, it's like 150 bucks an hour. Wow. You know, here here it's like <laughs> would it be a swimming you know, instructor? <laughs> yeah, here, here it's like 50. You know, like right. and, and it sounds so stupid and petty, but. It all adds, adds up, up, right? Yeah. My kids want to go to school. That you got, you go to private school in the city. It's sixty thousand dollars a year, right? You know, even for kindergarten, fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year. Here, it's a lot less, mm -hmm. and the schools are. I mean, Ransom's ranked number one private. Yeah, school, great schools. Right? Great Pinecrest, great school. There's, you know, the Miami Country Day, great mm -hmm. schools. There's a lot of great schools here, and that's another thing that a lot of people kind of have a misconception about, right? Is, there are no good schools for for my kids, which is totally, you know, you don't need hundreds of good schools. You need one good school because mm -hmm. your kid's going to go to one school. Right. right. So and there's a few like really good options. Down yes. Here, right? There's so like the best option in the country is here. Yeah. Right? So uh, that's ransom. right? Yeah. And that's ransom. Right. Uh, it's ranked. I don't know. U.S. world. I, I, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's, it is number one it's, in, it's, in the country. It is ranked number one or was like la last few years. And surprisingly, whatever. recently, all the way up to uh, collegiate their higher education, where I, I read U.S. News and World Report, Florida ranks number one best state for um, higher education. Sure. And college costs for like the third year in a row. Sure. Yes, exactly. Um, you know, a lot of kids that, as, as I found out and I made more friends, uh, a lot of people who grow up here end up going to college here as well because mm -hmm. the, 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 the schools are really good. Um, but like you mentioned, we'll, we'll jump a little bit more into those, like, you know, specifics onto mm -hmm. what, what is uh, some of those misconceptions um, in a bit. But to bring us back to through like that journey, you mentioned, right, you, you were here for about a month. You realize, hey, we can do this. Mm -hmm. So now... Talk me uh, through, Shane, like from, let's say, a legal perspective or some of those lesser known aspects or misconceptions when somebody is saying, I actually want to do it. Mm -hmm. I want to take the leap. Like, talk me through that vacation home, full relocation. What's the difference? And all that? Uh, yeah, sure. So, um, you know, for us, you, you know, we still had some hesitation. Right. Uh, so. Listen, you know, worst, I looked at the worst case scenario and I said, well, I'll move for a year. And if I don't really like it, I can just move back. Mm -hmm. it's, I mean, that's the worst case scenario, you know. And um, so we decided to, you know, keep our place in, in New York. Um, and, and I did, you know, I spoke to my accountants. I spoke to my lawyers because I had heard that if you try to move and you're in a certain tax bracket, I mean, basically, if you make over a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, you're you're gonna get audited. Um, it's just kind of like a, I think even now more so mm -hmm. than when I did it. Um, 
it was it, it was happening but not at a, at such a high rate and pace as it is now mm -hmm. um and so uh you know i i tried to kind of consult with my my financial advisor who had um other clients that went through this process i spoke to my accountant i spoke to my lawyer and kind of prepped myself of what are the things that you need to do and you'd be like completely shocked at what the rules are uh you know it's not as simple as i spend more than half my days in florida and you know and therefore i live in florida that's interesting because that was <laughs> my like understanding of it really just lead, coming into this was no. 200 and something days of the year it's not it was a day count it's not a day count it, it's part of it part of it it's part of it it's it, it's it's an it's a very big part of mm. it but it's not the only part of the story um so you know one of the th i'll give you some examples sure. one of the things is that you know when you move here right uh is your place bigger or the same size as your place in new york right they want to make sure it's not a pied a terre, mm. right? And you're kind of like, you know, waiting it out in Florida those extra two days to, so you don't pay, uh, sorry, excuse me, so you don't pay the taxes, right? So that's that's one of the, the things, right? Okay. Um, you know, they have this concept of home is where the heart is, right? I love the sound of that. Tell me more. Right. So <laughs> uh, it, it's... It's so weird that it's law because it's 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 so vague, right? Uh -huh. But it's um, where are your photos located? Where's your artwork located? Where are your sentimental stuff located? Where's your safety deposit box located, right? Uh, what where who are your doctors? Did you move your doctors from, you know, from Manhattan to Florida? Wow. Do you move your temple, your church, your mosque, your you know your community group that you go to whatever it may be so did you did you do that uh where are you sending your kids to school did you get you know did you register to vote in florida did, wow so this is pretty thorough it's really just a quarter of the, the tip of the iceberg i had to do uh, but 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 that's just kind of giving you the general idea of you know you, you, i you know people think oh i'm just gonna stay there i'm gonna get a florida license mm -hmm. and like I'm a Floridian, right? Sure. Uh, well, well, maybe under the eyes of Florida, you are, but not <laughs> <Like> under <welcome. laughs> not under the eyes of New York State. Okay. You know, so you're like a Department like of a, Finance. <laughs> there's a, a representative essentially from the government that's going through all of this with you, and you're you're essentially like answering all these questions. Is that no? It's it, it, I wish it was like that, but it, it wasn't. It wasn't like you know they they don't they don't be they're not like oh well here if you meet these kind of requirements uh -huh. then you know we'll leave you alone. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> That'd be great yeah if there was like this like kind of like a recipe for it sure. that would be great um but it's not it's really um you know being advised uh-huh uh, oh i'll even tell you one other thing that i did i which is kind of crazy but i mean i i would you know i'm really organized mm -hmm. and you know that's i mean i think these days in order to run a big business you have to be like that and so i'm always organized and prepared um and one of the things I did is I downloaded this app called Follow Me. And what it does is it takes your GPS coordinates every, I don't know what, I'd set it to every hour and uploads it to a server, right? Okay. And so that I could prove that I'm here and not there, right? So that, that wow. you know, the, you know during that audit process, they look at your credit card charges. Are you going to a gas station in New York or are you going to a gas station here, right? There's a lot of kind of moving parts. Mm -hmm. um, 
So there is no recipe. It's really, you know, you kind of try and blanket. And, and, and the reason why there is no recipe is because they have no incentive to do that, right? Um, the, the burden of proof is on you. So it's backwards to what most like kind of U.S. law or what you learn in the Constitution and stuff mm -hmm. like that is, right? I mean, it's state level, so it's not sure. federal, right? But, uh, you know, the, the burden of proof is on you to prove that you do not live in New York. They don't need to prove that you do live in New York. You need to prove that you do not live in New York. Interesting. Right? It's, so it's, it's like some reverse like yes. court like guilt innocent before <laughs> yeah, it's like it's guilty before right it's sounding like proven that innocent bit. this it's, it's backwards right so so you need to do whatever it is that you think you can do to convince them that you really don't live there right mm. and they've seen it all right so they will ask you so just so you get it um you know like we one, one of the things that i was advised is, is like don't leave your you know your summer i had a summer home in in montauk uh, I don't have it anymore. And I sold it mainly because I didn't want to deal with New York State anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, is, you know, we, we rented it. We rented our place in Manhattan because they told me if you leave it, you know. And unoccupied. Unoccupied, they could claim that, you know, it's still your home. Right. So not only did I have to rent it, I had to show the lease for it. And I had to show in my bank account the, the, the rents being deposited because a lot of times they will you know people will say oh here's a lease right and like do a lease with their cousin I okay guess. you know what i mean like you know that so kind the of proof thing. of funds were were in there yes, in the paper yes film. so um those are the things that you know you kind of have to be aware of i definitely suggest if you do want to do it you have to talk to someone who, you know experienced accountant lawyer financial person who's been through this mm -hmm. who can kind of get you pre-prepared you have to be really organized about it you should save all your receipts you should you know as soon as you move do all the stuff that they're saying because honestly the minute i put you know filed my last tax return two weeks later i got a handwritten envelope mm from New York state in my, in my Florida wow. thing. They didn't even wait until like, <laughs> the, you know, the to print dried. it, right? Like to print yeah, it on a, they're on like, a computer. I'm they're, handwriting this bad boy. And I was like, whoa, this is serious, you know? So, and they're banking on that. They're banking on you not knowing, they're banking mm -hmm. on you, you know, getting scared. They're banking on you uh, to, to, you know, you shouldn't, you know, one of the biggest pieces of advice was don't, you know, don't ever talk to the auditor yourself because then they can take you down this rabbit hole because you don't know, mm -hmm. right? And so you should always have a representative, you know, dealing with it. And even though it's it's more expensive that way. Well, give me, and you, you mentioned, so lead me into my next question on this process is give me a general idea, ballpark, um, in terms of time and cost, what somebody could expect maybe to to deal with. It all really depends on how complicated your, your situation is. For me, it was pretty complicated because I kept my New York place. And so we, you know, there were things that were kind of like tying me back to mm -hmm. New York, uh, although it was less complicated because my business was not in New York anymore. Right. So in some ways, it all really depends on how complicated it is. Uh, time wise, you know, you, you, it's very time consuming. You mm -hmm. got to scan all your all your credit cards. You got to keep all your toll bills. You have to keep all your. Wow. 
you know, gas station bill, you, you know, and, and then you have to like register to vote and keep that. And you have to do declaration of domicile, which is something else also in itself. And you gotta, you know, you gotta just, there's a lot of paperwork and kind of organizing that. And even if you're super organized, you know, a good lawyer, good accountant costs hundreds of dollars an hour. Sure. And, you know, they're going to charge you. It's going to, it's going to cost you. Right. But you have to really think, you know, that's that one time cost that it's going to cost you. But how much are you saving in terms of taxes? How much are you saving in terms of lifestyle and how expensive things are, you know, in New York versus and the bang for your buck that you get here? Right. And we'll jump into that a little bit more after we come back from the break. Um, one thing I do want to mention for those of you listening, if you're considering doing the process is you wrote an amazing blog, uh, which we'll share in the link to our show notes on if you're considering relocating the steps you need to know. Um, so, but well, like I said, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. Um, okay. ladies and gentlemen, we're talking to Shane Neiman, serial entrepreneur, investor, and all around amazing guy who survived <laughs> Thank you. the transition from New York to Miami. We'll be right back. So we're back with Shane Neiman, serial entrepreneur and investor here on the Miami real estate podcast, talking about tips and tricks on, uh, relocating from New York to South Florida and generally speaking, a perspective on the South Florida entrepreneur market. Uh, and, and investment, um, let's say, trends. Um, so Shane, you were just walking us through essentially some of the key components of the resi uh, residency audit as you uh, dis discuss on your blog, uh, which we'll share in the show notes. So tell me, all in, all of that said, um, was it worth it? Uh, absolutely, undeniably worth it. Uh, and, and it's so crazy that I'm saying this because again, like I told you, if you asked me this 10 years ago, I would have thought you were bananas. And, uh, I would have said, I'm never leaving New York city. It is like my home. It's I'm living where everyone dreams to live in. Uh, but there are just so many things that I didn't even realize myself, uh, until I moved of how much really better it is here given the uh, forget about the obvious stuff right it's 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 cheaper you get less taxes the weather is better got it right mm -hmm. uh but you know I, I and i think a lot of people who live in the city um and you know or have busy lives and have families um they'll they'll kind of relate to this is that you know it gets to a point where you're really not even leaving like the two block radius of where you live mm -hmm. when you live in the city. Um, you know, if it's inconvenient for you, you're not doing it really. So if you live downtown, you're not like going uptown. If you're coming downtown, you know, you're, you're not going from uptown to downtown. I, I really wasn't even seeing my friends that much anymore. Um, and, you know, and when I was seeing them, I was seeing them for a couple of hours late night at like, you know, whatever trendy restaurant where I could barely hear them. And, um, you know, we were kind of rushing home because, you know, we had a babysitter and we were tired and, you know, all that kind of right. stuff too. And it was raining outside and, you know, just, it, it, it was like, again, it was a schlep, right? Mm -hmm. And so one of the counterintuitive things here was, is that, oh, you know, I was really concerned about, you know, first of all, making friends, not seeing my friends, my family, you know, they, they didn't move with us, right? Um, my my, my in-laws ended up kind of coming here a lot more, but um, but what actually ends up happening is people don't, you know, don't think about it is that all the New Yorkers come to Miami all the time. Right. All the time, all throughout the year. 
New Year, especially New Year's. (laughs) So what's happening every week? Another one of my friends that knows that I live in Miami that's from New York is texting me, calling me. Hey, can you hang out? Can you do this? And when they're coming here, right, they're on vacation, Mm -hmm. right? So they're not like rushing home to their kids and it's not like 10 o'clock at night. It's, uh, you know, oh, come to my beach or come to let's go have lunch, you know, and Mm -hmm. it's kind of like relaxed. I get to actually spend time with them when family comes now. It's not just, you know, it's not just having dinner with them and then everyone going back to their own right. house. You know, they come, they stay. We see them for long extended periods of time and the quality of time that we're spending with them is much better. That's what we really noticed a That's lot. That's amazing. I had never really stopped to think about that, but it's like you're almost having a better quality of experience seeing your friends more often, arguably. Yes. And uh, as you said, it's not, uh, you know, you're just enjoying it better. Yeah, you're enjoying it. Yeah, it's not like just to say I hung out with my friend. Right. It's like I actually hung out with my friend. I spent three hours or four hours or a whole day with them. And, you know, it it was it was better than 10 times of seeing them in another in another kind of setting. Basically. Right. Right. So you're essentially the fun friend, the most popular friend, the one in South Florida. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we had to cut off like people trying to stay with us right from the beginning because that was like the biggest thing. And, okay. You know, when you have kids, it's just not really conducive to that. But uh, in any case, we, we're ha- happy to hang out with our friends, our family when they come. So that's one thing. Um you know, the, the other thing that I think, you know, that a lot of people have a misconception of is, oh, it doesn't have culture. It doesn't have the restaurants. It doesn't have these. That's baloney. OK, because, you know, Art Basel is here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have you have Perez Art Museum. You have the Heat Games. You have, you know, a million other things mm-hmm. that are like that here. Um, and uh, granted, it's not you know, as copious as, as it is in New York, but it's still very good. It's very high quality and it's available to you. Absolutely. And I think just to add on to that, um, you know, especially in the downtown urban core, uh, you mentioned some of the biggest institutions, but in the last couple of years, we've seen the Frost Science come in. Sure. Um, Winwood, Winwood, uh, amazing. Wynwood You've Walls, got yeah. Design District. I mean, yeah. and what's happening now with Brickell City Center and Miami World Center in downtown? It's like so this concentration in this urban core is just. It's like a it's like a mini New York. I don't want to say it's you know right there, but it's 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 not. You know, actually, growing up in New York, what I'm seeing here is, I'm like. Why aren't people more people coming here? It just doesn't. It, it's just a matter of time. Sure, it's it's built right. it and they will come. An education process. Yeah, it just takes somebody coming in and say, "Oh wow, I haven't been here in a few years, and this thing's really changed." Yeah, you know? well, especially Brickell City Center and Wynwood and those areas. It's just uh, completely. It's it's what happened to Brooklyn basically in in, in New York, and now Brooklyn's right. more expensive than all of Manhattan. So mo- parts of Brooklyn are more expensive than, than all you know parts of Manhattan, which was unfathomable 10 years ago Mm -hmm. you just really wouldn't think that uh but to answer your question absolutely worth it in 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 many many respects uh and you know it's kind of one of those things that you really won't realize how worth it it is until you actually do it so shane you're a distinguished entrepreneur uh investor great track record now that you're here what do you see as the biggest opportunities in, in Miami or maybe South Florida as a whole? Uh, so in terms of real estate, the, mm-hmm. uh, the, you know, I've been to kind of backtrack I, throughout this whole tech kind of career that I've had. 
I used a lot of the money that I made to buy real estate. And mm-hmm. I've done that for, you know, for, since the first apartment I bought when I was like 22, I bought, a, I bought an apartment in Central Park South. Should have kept that apartment, but you know, long, long, long story. But you know, I did that whole game of you know buying your apartment, fixing it up, flipping it, you know, and I learned a lot about real estate and all different types of real estate um, throughout the years. Uh, but I've been doing a lot of uh, real estate investing in, in 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 South Florida the last five years since I moved here. In fact, I move. What I'm doing is, you know, disposing of a lot of the stuff that I have in nor- in the Northeast that I had kind of amassed over the past few years uh, or past few decades uh, and buying here, uh, mainly for logistical reasons mm-hmm. and also because I see a lot more opportunity here. Um, and there's, you know, a lot of things going on. Uh, but in in terms of what areas and what types of real estate, uh, you know, there's the obvious stuff that a lot of people are looking at right now is Alapata, for example. Mm-hmm. And that's right behind Wynwood. Um, it's it's starting to get more gentrified. It's an industrial area. But, um, you know, this, the Rubel Museum just opened mm-hmm. there. Um, and I think that that's going to kind of spur the gentrification of that area. And there's a lot of other slated projects. I happen to own a cold storage facility in that area that I that I bought before it was designated an opportunity zone. So now that it is an opportunity zone, that's even like, you know, that's going to spur even more stuff because I think as more north savvy northeast uh investors and real estate people start moving here, come start spending a lot more time here, they're going to look at things like that area. Mm-hmm. Um and another kind of underestimated overlooked area i think is uh fort lauderdale hollywood Mm. i think a lot of people kind of dismiss it sure but what they don't what they're not seeing i think is is that especially kids that or they're not kids anymore they're you know people graduating that have jobs that are just out of work you know starting their work career they can't afford miami right right Uh, but they can't afford fort lauderdale and they can get the beach and they can get a place where they, uh, especially if the bright line comes and right. spot, stop stop there, they can now take a train and work in Miami and live in Fort Lauderdale, right? And get the same kind of Miami experience on the beach at a fraction of the price. Yeah, and I mean, I personally, I love Fort Lauderdale. I, I grew up in the suburbs of it in, in Weston, so I'm very sure. familiar. I think it's like that hidden, slightly hidden, I mean, more people know about it now, but gem down here yeah. where you get the best of South Florida and the weather and the beach. But at I guess half or a fraction of the price, and you mentioned Brightline. They do have the station in in Fort Lauderdale and up to West Palm, uh, connecting to Miami. We'll see hopefully in the next two years all the way up to Orlando, Tampa. Mm-hmm. Um, but just a sidebar for a second. The other day I was at a, a conference down here with Miami Association of Realtors Commercial, and we learned about this amazing Class A office building that is slated for um, at eight thirty Brickell. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just going to be uh, it's tremendous. I was thinking as you talked about bringing the talent from Manhattan to sure to to Hoboken. I I could see that happening with the Bright Line from Fort Lauderdale down yeah. to Miami. And, yeah, know, it, it makes a lot of sense. It even makes a lot of sense. You know, um, so I'm not sure if you know Bureau, but they're like a we they're like the WeWork here. They're like okay. the WeWork. Um, they have a bunch of locations in Coconut Grove. I I happen to work in a bureau in 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 Mimo on 75th and Biscayne cool. um, just because that works out for me and my commute. But, uh, you know, they, they, 
they just opened a downtown Fort Lauderdale location and they're they're packed. I've mm-hmm. been to it, you know. So uh, there, you know, and I own. I own I own uh, real estate in Hollywood Beach. I've been working actually with the city commissioner, uh, Dr. Wazir, and he's you know, and all those people in Hollywood are really progressive. They are thinking about how they can um, incentivize development and to kind of modernize things there to bring these young urban professionals into into that area, especially Hollywood. I'm talking about. Um, so I and you know with margaritaville being there mm-hmm. and the the condo project i forgot the name of the condo project Co- melia coastal hollywood or something i'm sorry yours mentioning the condo project that's there i think yeah it's a... right next to margaritaville it's right 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 uh in a1a next to johnson street so i mm-hmm. forgot i forgot the name of the thing uh the the condo project but i know that they sold it out completely that's what it was because i used to know it as coastal hollywood but i think they sold it and i'm not sure either what the new name yeah uh, is so so you know that area, I think, is booming, and also for you know, for tourists coming, mm-hmm. it's a lot cheaper too, right? So you know, you can't, you know, you're gonna pay two hundred bucks a night versus four hundred bucks a night in South Beach or five hundred dollars a night in South Beach, and you get onto the beach, mm-hmm. right? It's on the beach, uh, so like, you know, that's I think that's why Margaritaville is doing so well, actually. Um, so that those are that's another area. another area I think you know that people aren't thinking about is West Palm. In Boca, interesting. You know, there's there's a lot of buzz around Delray, and Delray's kind of already boomed a lot. But the 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 Northeast people that that I've been talking to, they're actually choosing Boca, in Boynton Beach, because it's a lot cheaper, mm-hmm. and it's giving you the kind of lifestyle that you want. It's and right. it's got good schools, and it's got like all these other things that you know that a suburb of new york has and one could say you know arguably it's also a slightly i don't want to say less fast but like you know miami is awesome in downtown mm-hmm. it's great but it's very you know like fast paced and sort of sometimes chaotic especially with our drivers at least in in boca west palm area it's a little bit more laid back right but you're yes. still i i actually think you know i i actually think boca you know has this kind of cachet about it being your grandparents retirement place <laughs> right but uh, i just recently bought the, the the marriott residence inn in boca right about that and um you know when i looked at it initially i was like hmm that kind of sounds interesting but then i started doing my research and thinking about it and talking to my friends and knowing that my friends are moving to boca you know they're that the, the, you know these are young guys right they're they're in their mid-30s 40s established in new york uh, you know, not just guys, girls, you know, families, sure. right? And so I'm thinking to myself, well, if these guys are coming, right, then their family's going to come. Mm-hmm. They need a place to stay. Those guys are going to start building businesses in Boca mm-hmm. or around that area, which there is a lot of businesses already, uh, but, you know, and, and people don't realize that that, that, that much, but, um, you know, and it's just going to be that much more, right? Mm-hmm. And so when they start businesses, extended stay product does well, if they build this this uh, Orlando, um, the connection, to, the real to, yeah, they're going to need to go through that area too. Mm-hmm. So there, there's going to be short term demand for for extended stay for people who work on things like the Bright Line and that that kind of stuff. So uh, that was the impetus for that. Um, but the other stuff that I'm really kind of bullish on 
it, it really marries my tech background with uh, real estate. Two things I really love is prop tech, right? And that's the kind of buzzword that a lot of people are talking about. And there's, you know, some some pretty good examples here in in Miami. There's a company called Lifehouse. I don't know if you've heard of them, but um, it sounds familiar. But tell me about they're, it. They're, they're um, I think is it's it's led by uh, CEO. His name his name is Rami Zaidan, and, and uh, he's a really sharp kid. He well, not a kid, a man. He's he created this concept called uh, Lifehouse, and what they do is they go into hotels that are kind of like being mismanaged and they make it cool and hip and they bring in all these efficiencies through technology, right? Uh, so, you know, you're not, you know, you're checking in on an iPad, you're using, you know, an app to unlock your door. They have special software that kind of, um, you know, fills your place up, you know, on the OTC market. Um, and, you know, they, they, they make the rooms so that you can put five people in a room <laughs> with bunk beds, right? right? Because that's what people are doing anyway. So why not make it comfortable for them, mm. right? And, and they'll book with you, uh, and, you know, and it's not really more about being in the room anymore. It's more about being in the location. So th I think they have, a, they have a couple of locations now, one in Little Havana, and they're doing really well. They, they raise all this money. Um, so that's one, you know, one success story that I know of personally uh, here. Uh, but you know, there's a lot of exciting stuff going on yeah. in, pro in prop tech. And, and prop tech can mean a lot of different things from software, you know, to, you know, physical stuff like prefab houses or prefab bathrooms or, you know, all this other kind of stuff. You know, I own cold storage. So that might be like special solar panels that, that you use. Interesting. That, that, that do that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of that going on. Um, not just in Miami, but I think Miami is going to be a really big hub, especially um, for, for Latin talent. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people outsource to Latin America. And also, if this parallax, when this parallax um, finishes, there's going to be a lot more commerce going through here. Absolutely. Well. And, uh, you know, it's always been at that global gateway. I think it's now even more so not just to South America, but even just to the world, especially with as we talked about earlier, that decentralization of uh, work and, and people and technology bringing us all closer and closer together. But we a, a previous guest um, on the show just talked about also, you know, Silicon Valley's that sort of exodus from there as well mm -hmm. of tech talent coming down here, similar to just how um, you're having um, people looking to come to Miami as a tax haven. Some, you know, in many places, those things align and, and, you know, just, well, Carl Icahn, look at him. Yeah. He's like, you know, it, it makes sense. Why wouldn't you move your hedge fund here? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm invested in some hedge funds, right? Like I've never been to their office. Like, do I yeah. really care where their <laughs> office is? Right. I just care like what my statement says at the end of the month. Right. Like, do I care if they're in Miami or New York? Maybe institutional investors do, mm -hmm. but those, you know. I think that's changing too. Makes sense. Uh, and, I, and I want to touch on that more in, in a second, but just to, to close out that last thought. So in terms of opportunities, you talked about Alapata, um, Fort Lauderdale, West Palm and Boca, sort of more up and coming and um, your eye on, on PropTech. I think it makes so much sense with these two just coming together and intertwining. Um, talk to me a little bit, and especially our audience, ma mainly brokers, uh, some investors and end users about the importance of diversifying your investment and your philosophy on that? Yeah. So, um, you know, I kind of 
I kind of model my real estate investments the same I do with my equity investments. You know, you, you just wouldn't go and just put all your money into just tech companies, right? Um, you know, your, your financial advisor would kill you if you did that, <laughs> right? Uh, because if there's a, you know, if there's a big problem in tech, you know, you can, you can, you can really hurt yourself if you're not diversified, right? Uh, and in the same, I, you know, it's just that you can't look up the price of a real piece of real estate on a computer. Um, but, you know, the same cycles happen with real estate. And you have to realize it's just there, there are a lot of more asset classes, sub, sub, class, uh, sub asset classes and real estate than you would imagine. Right. Uh, and, and each one of them have their own pros and cons and each one of them have their own cycles. And so if you do want to do real estate, you know, I mean, most of the people I talk to, all they want to do is multifamily, right? That's like the hot thing. Multifamily this and multifamily that. And, you know, there's cap rate compression going on, um, mainly because interest rates are really low. Um, and, you know, me personally, I don't do any multifamily because it's just like Warren Buffett said, right? You know, you, <laughs> you don't want to go with the herd, right? Mm -hmm. You want to be greedy when other people are fearful, right? And so it, it applies to real estate. You know, that same concept, you know, the, the, if you look at the guys who made so much money in real estate, like this guy, Moshe Mana, mm -hmm. you know, he bought it when all that stuff was super cheap, mm -hmm. right? And that's how he made a lot of money. He didn't buy it when it was super expensive, right? So it's the same concept, right? Like if you go to Boca right now, you can buy stuff for relatively cheap, maybe not dirt cheap, right? Or you go to Alapata, it's relatively cheap. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, that's why I'm not buying in Miami, right? So, uh, but again, just going to the diversification portion of it is that, you know, do I have some some multifamily? Yes. Do I am I actively going and buying multifamily? No, it's too expensive. I, you know, I have I, I have industrial, I have some cold storage, I have um, I have some uh, commercial shopping centers, I have office buildings, I have restaurants, like freestanding triple net stuff. I have, um, you know, uh, let me think there's, there's, a there's, there's, there's all this other kind of product out sure. there. Um, there's, let me see. There's also, oh, there's like student housing, right? Mm, of course. There's stuff that you don't really think about, right? And there's like light industrial and there's heavy industrial and there's all different types of real estate that you can do. And I'm not saying that you necessarily need to go out and, you know, buy a medical office building because you want to diversify. Maybe you can't. And m most people can't. Right. Uh, and most people don't have the time or ability or the no, you know, the, the, the let's say the drive to do that. Mm -hmm. But you can accomplish that by, through public REITs. You can there are private equity you know, private funds. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of them here in Miami. I mean, I'm personally invested with Matt Adler. He mm -hmm. does light, light. He's very famous here. Uh, he, he has a light industrial fund and that's how I get exposure to light industrial. I invest with Adveneer and he does, Steve does um, uh, multifamily and that's how I got my multifamily exposure. But, you know, other things you might want to kind of think about buying stuff that either, either is on the down cycle mm -hmm. or is totally different than all the other stuff that you have. So that if one thing happens here, 
you're kind of okay here, right? Right. Uh, uh, you know, obviously, if there's an uh, apocalyptic situation that is like, Nothing it doesn't do matter what you're one. in, right. <laughs> you're totally screwed anyway, and you know, it's over. But, I like it. It's like keep an open mind, do your homework, and be uh, sort of, you know, adventurous uh, at, at times, yes, if you will. Yes, but I, I think you should really think about it how you think about your, you know, your stocks. You don't want to be too heavily concentrated in one particular asset class of real estate so there's a lot of them out there and uh, you should do your homework and see you know what makes sense for you at that time or you know what also makes sense for you logistically Mm -hmm. you know are you close to that piece of property can you manage it yourself can you find a good manager can you finance it you know all these other kind of things that, that go into play a bit i like it all good things to think about ladies and gentlemen you're listening to the miami real estate podcast we're here with shane neiman entrepreneur developer and investor with some amazing nuggets of uh, uh enlightenment and insights um shane before we wrap this up i know our, our producer alex ayub has some tech uh, entrepreneurial questions for us alex um hit me with some some questions for shane hey how's it going guys so you talk heavily about being a serial influencer and we have a lot of people, like you said, migrating from New York and are coming with hope of Silicon Beach. You know, we talk about Miami here. Yeah. Right? And a lot of people have the, the misconception of what it means to be a serial entrepreneur, what it means to be an entrepreneur in today's day and age. Sure. By definition, it's going to change. What do you think it means to be a genuine entrepreneur now in 2020? I think... Being an entrepreneur is really glorified and glamorized. It's it sucks. I'll tell you the truth. <laughs> it really does. And and I I remember those days now fondly. Of and and I, I am working on a, another startup, but it, I, I can't really talk about it right now. And it's it's reminding me of how much it really sucks. <laughs> to be honest with you, I don't know how to say it better than that. But here's the thing. It's like. You know, being an entrepreneur is a it's a demoralizing game because you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable all the time. That's my like kind of motto that I live by. I always kind of do things that make me uncomfortable and I try to do things that make me uncomfortable because it's the only way that you grow and you you learn. Uh, But that's like the ultimate expression of being uncomfortable all the time, because, you know, when you're trying to be an entrepreneur, you got to learn all the stuff that you really don't know. Like, and you don't even know what you don't know. That's, that's the biggest issue is that, you know, until you do it, you really, you can sit there and kind of plan everything out. And, you know, two weeks later, get punched in the face with something you never thought you had to deal with. Right. Um, Whether it's like an IP lawsuit you get smacked with, which has happened to me a bunch of times, which, uh, you know, happens or, you know, I didn't know how to do certain kind of accounting. I had to learn how to do QuickBooks. I had to, you know, figure out, you know, payroll. I had to figure out like, I mean, there's just like a trillion things I can't even think of right now. Right. And, you know, you kind of have to be this jack of all trades. But the only advice I can give is, you know, you have to go into it being comfortable with that, knowing that. And just kind of being confident that you will eventually figure it out and that you won't give up no matter what the circumstances might be. And, and really, that's, in my opinion, 
ninety percent of the the, the 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 battle. And I do a lot of VC investing, seed seed round, and and and, and Series A. And I do it from a unique perspective of actually starting my own businesses before. And I'm not really investing so much in the idea because, you know, I've done, you know, like when I did the text messaging stuff, people were laughing at me. They were like, dude, text messaging, it's all about in-app and apps and this and the other thing. And I'm like, no, but you don't understand. SMS is ubiquitous and everyone reads their text. And they were like, dude, that's like technology from back then. <laughs> and like, the amount of text being sent only keeps growing 25% a year, you know, like, so, you know, if I had listened to people, right, I would have been in a totally different situation. Uh, so, you know, and, and everyone thought my idea was shit, you know, like, honestly, when, when I when I first did it. Uh, so it's not really about the idea. It's like, do I do I really believe in, in this is cliche when I'm telling you because a lot of you hear a lot of podcasts and people saying the same thing to you but it really it, there's something to that is it's really is it is that fire inside of you and can you take an emotional beating and and get through it that's and and that's what makes a good investor too really so it's 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 those those uh those things so advice um, don't quit your day job if you can. Try and keep it and try and do as much as you can on your free time, your lunch hour, your weekends, your everything else to reduce your risk. Side hustle. <laughs> yes. Yes. It, it, it's true because, you know, it's hard. It's really hard. Very well said. I like it. And I think that, <laughs> um, you know, that brings us full circle because getting comfortable with the uncomfortable, I think there's a, a, a bare degree amount of that with the move from New York yeah. to Miami with diversifying your investments with entrepreneurship in general. So it's yeah. a good one. Yeah, it's 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 true. I think you read this a lot in like self-help books mm -hmm. and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But it really, really boils down to that. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people like to be in this like kind of safe bubble where they know what's next and they can predict something and you know you just have to kind of that that's that's really what an entrepreneur is someone who is okay not knowing what's next i love it and that leads me to our final thought shane predictions tell me your predictions for five ten years from now miami south florida relocation trends just what's hot here what give me your final words okay so i hate betting against new york because everyone <laughs> There's this big saying, every time you bet against New York, you lose. And I think that's very true. Um, but betting for Miami isn't necessarily betting against New York, I think, in this in this case. Um, I think that, you know, things are going to cycle out of New York. And, you know, there is going to be this whole kind of exodus, uh, I think for a lot of people that are going to just get kind of get sick of it and say, you know, this doesn't doesn't make any sense and, and leave. And so the prediction is, I think that more and more tech companies are going to come here. I've seen a couple of really uh, big tech guys move from Silicon Valley here. So that's great. Um, there's like Venture Hive. There's a bunch of other kind of incubators here. Mm -hmm. uh, some some great success stories. So hopefully we'll see a, a you know like a nice tech scene grow grow here and i think you're gonna see uh, real estate prices just continue to rise here it just makes a lot of sense 
you know, there's good deals to be had right now. People are moving to Miami. There's a lot of growth in the area. So, and interest rates are low. And and the banks here are like awesome to work with. They, you know, every local bank I've worked with here is is really bullish and they, you know, they they really support you and want to make the deals happen. I like it. Love it. We're going to leave it there, Shane. Uh, I think the moral of the story is it's not getting cheaper, so get in now. <laughs> there are still great opportunities to be had, as, as Shane pointed out. And if you're thinking about relocating, I mean, life is great here in South Florida to live and to work. So, it Shane, is. it's been an absolute pleasure. If it's okay with you, we'll put your contact information in the show notes in case sure. anybody has questions, Anytime. they can reach out. Thank you so much. Um, and uh, for all you guys out there, thanks for listening. Um, I'm Omar DeWin, Communications Executive with Cervera Real Estate, here with the one and only Shane Neiman. Um, until next time, from Miami, where the future is always bright, thanks for listening. Thank you.